Buddy, welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, and like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. The guest for this episode is Rick Giordano, member of the synth-driven horror metal trio from St. Louis, The Lion's Daughter. They have a new album out, Skin Show, via Season of Mist. The thing that really pops out to me about Skin Show is the visuals, from the album cover artwork to the cinematography of the music videos. It really makes them stand out, almost intriguing to someone who may have never heard them before. During our conversation, we talked about those visuals and how they complement the music, the making of Skin Show and how that differed from previous albums, how they got discovered in 80s horror and action movies, and we have a lot of great suggestions for you. So after a brief word from our sponsor, let's get into this interview with Rick Giordano from the metal band The Lion's Daughter. Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In the world of wrestling where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads... Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Alright, welcome back to the Freshest of the Word podcast. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. And the guest that we have in the building today is Rick Giordano. He's on guitars, vocals, synths, and bass in the St. Louis, Missouri-based metal band, The Lion's Daughter. And they have a new album. It's called Skin Show. It's out on uh, Season of the Mist. It's amazing. How you doing today, Rick? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Yo, I'm cool, man. I'm cool. You know, just, you know, getting through things, you know? For sure. When, you know, when I first came about, you know, The Lion's Daughter, it was like, oh, uh, you know, the album cover looked cool. And I'm like, yo, these people are probably from like Norway or Sweden or whatever. Then I'm like, yo, St. Louis? <laughs> yeah, man. Just, I was like, yo, that's cool. Scumbags. <laughs> Some St. Louis scumbags? Yes, sir. Yeah. And it was what, you know, what really grabbed me, though, and like, you know, what I instantly was like, yo, I got to check these out was the visuals, you know, like, especially on this new album. And then when you, you know, there's a couple videos you have, you know, have out these days for, um, for uh for curtains and you have another one for uh you know for a sex trap mm-hmm. like um how you know how important in the growth of this band is the visuals uh i think super important i mean i think you know a lot of it depends on what kind of person you are but i'm somebody that you know in school i was told that i was a visual learner and i found that to very much be true in life um so i i have a hard time separating music from album art you know, or, or videos, uh, or even something like, you know, um, you know, curtains. I, I, I saw that one way in my head. And now that that video is out there, that's the only way I'll ever be able to see that song. So, uh, I, so I think it's super, super important. You know, you picture like Slayer, you know, rain and blood without that artwork, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's almost impossible. You know, they, they, they have to coexist together. So, uh, it's, yeah. Artwork is like crucial, I think. What goes into the process of of you know choosing the visuals for the artwork or the videos? Uh, because the sex trap video was kind of a you know a you know a motion picture rendition of the album artwork. You know what goes into all that? Right. Um, I mean, it varies, and it's it's 
interesting because music is something that's easy for for me personally to have control of since you know like i'm the one writing it and and involved in the whole recording process and, and mixing and all of that uh and artwork's a little different because i don't do the artwork so it's a matter of collaboration then so really it's just finding great people to work with and trusting them to to do the thing that they do that you like um, and we've gotten really lucky in that we've worked with, you know, great artists all the way from our early stuff where we worked with a yeah. uh, local artist named Kobe Ellison uh, to f photographs that we've done with Josh Rowan, who's also done some video stuff for us. And, you know, Paula Girardi doing uh, the cover painting for um, Existence is Horror, which was our first with Season of Mist. And then these last two records, we've used Mothmeister for the artwork and their stuff is, is just incredible. So everybody I just named is amazing and turns out pretty much 100% great shit. So I know that, you know, if I reach out to them to do something, uh, that it's, it's going to be great and it's just going to elevate the music. How so, do you go about like sharing those ideas with those creators? Again, it varies. Cause like somebody like, like Kobe back in the day, Kobe literally lived next door to me at one point in time. <laughs> so, you know, I just spent countless hours hanging out and drinking whiskey with that guy. Uh, and then Paolo, you know, he, he lives in Italy and his his English is his English is a million times better than my Italian is. But, you know, his Eng English is not his first language. So communicating can be a little tricky, uh, you know, especially via email. But he somehow he took. I saw how he worked and he basically took a print out of my email with all of my ideas and he clipped it to a, um, Oh God, what do you, what do you paint on a palette? Uh, yeah. um, a canvas canvas. My yeah. God. Yeah. See, that's how much I know about art, uh, <laughs> but he clipped it there and he just, and then he just churned out this painting that was like exactly what I had in my head somehow just from, from my notes. Um, so, I mean, so it always, it, it, just varies and sometimes uh an artist will turn around and give you something that you didn't really expect but sometimes it's better than what you expected and then sometimes like like paulo like it he'll just nail exactly the specific thing that you were talking about somehow so what was the idea about you know the album cover for the skin show which was also like the video for uh sex trap well mm. I had talked to, so Mothmeister also did the artwork for Future Cult, which was the previous album. And that was an image that already existed, that they had done, that uh, I had seen that image actually before even writing the album. I saw that image and I kind of let that image be kind of the catalyst for writing the, the record or, or the, the inspiration in a way. Um, and then they let us license that. Uh, this time around, we collaborated with them they did you know custom artwork for, for this so really the idea just kind of just kind of started with let's do something different than we did last time where the last time you know the, the character was outdoors let's do something that feels a little more confined and claustrophobic the last thing was really colorful let's kind of strip away a lot of the color and make one image where everything's white and another image where everything's black uh, and then kind of talking about who these characters could be and how they coexist. Are they the same person, how they relate to the album, how they relate to album titles, like a lot goes into it, but, um, yeah, I forgot the initial question already. I'm not awake yet, man. At one o'clock in the afternoon, I'm drinking <laughs> coffee and trying Yo, to wake up. I feel you, man. My I just, apologies. I, I'm, I'm yeah, still yeah. waking up right now. Okay. But like when it comes to, um, yeah, I'm on the skin show album cover you you know it's very dominated by white and that's something totally different from 99 percent of like metal albums heavy albums sure. it's all really dark you know what does sort of that uh sort how does how does that whiteness sort of uh you know what does that mean for the music and everything what, what does that represent uh i don't know what it represents necessarily uh i just I thought I, th I I definitely thought that having it be all white would kind of make it stand out against you know the our, our, maybe some of our, our colleagues' uh, albums and um I don't know I liked the idea of having this white jacket on the outside and then the inside is all black uh, and having like a similar character 
to where it's kind of like, I don't know, the concept, I guess, could be kind of the thing that you want to present to the world. And then the thing that's really un under the surface or in, in the inside, which is this, this, you know, complete opposite thing. Um, but I thought about a lot of records that I like have white album covers, strangely. And there's like something makes the production then feel a lot cleaner. <laughs> and it just uh, I don't know, it, it creates like a kind of a unique vibe. And it's yeah. not something that we had, we had done before. So it's like, all right, well, let's see what this, you know, this feels like if we try this out, which I'm sure means for whatever we do next will be the total, you know, total opposite of that or but. Um, yeah, I don't know, it just it just seemed like a cool idea and i and I, I feel like the the album artwork for skin show was very uh was was like a nice introduction about what i'm gonna hear because as soon as you get into the album you hear this like really thick synth and you hear that throughout i knew i was gonna hear something that wasn't just you know guitars and drums you know i, I knew yeah. i was gonna feel some other sort of there's gonna be other elements you know even just based off that album cover yeah you know what it works in my brain because uh, the the last Ramstein record that was just the self titled is just a white album cover with just like a like a match on it. Yeah, it's a really cool cover. Yeah. Um, and then that first that first track on the record to me is straight up like Ramstein. It I mean it probably isn't once you get into it and maybe I'm the only one that would hear that. But that opening to me, I wrote that like in, in my head. I was like, what would like if Ramstein were playing like an arena, what would they what would, how would they open a record, you know, or how would they open their set? And that's how that record opens. <laughs> and, and it's actually, I should probably not admit it because I think it's actually kind of similar to the way that the new Ramstein record opens. I think there's a synth that does something probably not that, that different. And then there's like big crashing chords over the top of it. This big epic, like, like beginning. So ripped off Ramstein. Yeah. That's the answer. Right. That's the <laughs> so, um, you know, Lion's Daughter's been, you know, putting out records for like a decade now. Um, what really sticks out into those early years when you guys were just kind of putting, the, you know, this band together, you know, trying to get your, you know, your footing into music? You know, where were you guys at? You know, what was what you know, why did this band kind of get together? We so the drummer and I were in another band for like he was in it longer than I was, but I was in it for about three years and we, we just toured like three years straight and neither of us liked the band really. It was kind of, it was more of a job and a, and a business than it was a band. And it wasn't, it was a thing. It wasn't our project. You know, we yeah. were just in somebody else's band uh, and our hearts weren't really in it. We got burnt out, man. I mean, we toured like nonstop and we were, at, at the airport flying out of Germany back to the States after like a month over there. Um, and we saw a, there was a really goofy looking romance novel at the airport called the lion's daughter with some like bare chested stud on it. And of course, you know, you grab it and you and your friends start reading it to each other and, and laughing. Right. Um, and just a lot of things are throbbing, like, you know, and sure, sure, sure. <laughs> We that we decided then we were like like we said kind of as a joke like let's start a new band and let's call it the Lion's Daughter and we'll make it a disco band or like yeah and then that idea kind of stuck around weirdly and we both quit that band and we're like okay let's actually start a new band and just call it the Lion's Daughter because that name is so stupid like to us you know not everybody's not gonna know that it's a romance novel but we do. And that's so ridiculous. This kind of gives us the freedom to do whatever we want. And yeah. we're not going to be concerned about if people like it or not. It's not going to be a business. It's going to be like a passion project. Um, and the original stuff we did was just like neurosis worship, you know, and I think we I don't think we actually played out or recorded anything for like three years. We were, you know, just kind of we, we didn't even want to. We just basically, you know, uh, it was it was an excuse to get together and drink whiskey and smoke a lot of weed and just kind of. <laughs> play you know play music um so it's funny oh, a lot that, of bands start you know yeah yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's a it's a pretty good time if you haven't done those three things together it, it's a it's pretty fun um but yeah it's funny that like you know more than a like a decade later we kind of accidentally turned into a disco band finally you know or like have have those elements now like we originally set out to do but yeah it just started as it kind of started out of like hatred and spite for just like the band that we had been in and just other bands at that time like 
2007, you got to think like that. The the metalcore and emo shit was still like huge. I, it might still be huge now. I don't know. It's it's not really on my radar anymore. Right. But it was kind of just a response to all the shit that we hated. We just wanted to play like the ugliest, gnarliest shit that we could, you know. Yeah, time period is weird for a lot of music. It, it was like it was after a heyday of one thing, like all genres. I feel like so it was a weird transitional period where. Everybody yeah. was kind of like, ah, I don't know what to do, or they're going, they're going super hard trying to like make it on the mainstream, you know? Yeah, it seemed like in the early two thousands, all like I had a bunch of friends that were in bad new metal bands, which was never my thing. Like I, I grew up in like punk rock and stuff, and yeah. as, as soon as I, you know, no disrespect to anybody that likes that stuff, but as soon as I heard like corn and stuff like that, like I knew that that was not for me. Right. And then all of the bands that wanted to sound like corn and limp biscuit and stuff were just fucking everywhere. And then something shifted where everybody had swoopy bangs and was in emo bands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was, it, you know, I was embarrassed for a lot of my friends that were in those bands, but something <laughs> happened around like 2000 and like 10, where a bunch of people I knew started like good bands. And it's kind of like it's kind of stayed that way. Like St. Louis actually has some really good local bands now and has has for a while. So yeah, like around around like that new decade, like there was like the seeds of like of what you'd um, start to see later on in the you know 2010s, like um, of yeah. like really good like metal bands were kind of starting around that time. Um, like and you just kind of mentioned it. Like what you know, what's the the St. Louis scene been? You know, whether you know. During the time you guys were, uh, you know, first starting out until, uh, you know, what's happening now before the pandemic, you know, and everything. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to say because we've never really been a part of of any scene too much. Um, it's it seems solid. I mean, we, we, we often we play with the same bands pretty often. Because usually if we're we, we rarely play like anyone else's shows or anything, we either we we every once in a while open for someone that's coming through town that either we, we know or we got to, you know, or somebody that we're just big fans of or whatever. But for the most part, we book our own stuff locally. So I always go to Fister, who started at the same time that, that we did, who were like straight up, straight up, like real nasty doom stuff. Yeah. And like, uh. Hell Knight, who are just super, super ag aggressive, fun. They'd probably hate if I called them fun, but they're fun as fuck. <laughs> uh, uh, just super gnarly, spazzy, like intense rock metal punk. I don't know what. Or like the Gorge, who are like crazy, like prog rock, prog metal. Fucking they're they're uh, they're. But I, I always just kind of go to the same bands that we've played with for for years because I fucking love those bands. And there are probably newer bands popping up, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know much about them. So I don't know what's going on, going on really. And like, I know there are, there's like, there's a scene out there of like basement shows and all that shit. And when I think, I think that's where like, I think that's where like the new shit uh, usually happens. Like new, new bands and like exciting new bands that are like trying new things. It's usually some basement show shit, but like, I'm at, I'm 41 years old, man. I don't want to go fucking hang out in the basement with some dude throwing <laughs> beer on me and all that shit anymore. So, I, so I'm kind of clueless. So I, I really don't know. So I think, I think the scene here is good, and I think it's constantly evolving. Uh, I, I'm just a slightly closed off to to it, I think, and I just kind of, I just kind of know the bands that I that I like, you know, but it's not. It's it's fucking weird though, man. It might be like this everywhere, but you know, you could have like a solid show and you know, really good bands, right venue, right night of the week, nothing else going on, and like seventy people show up. Uh, or yeah. then you have like some bands. It's a record release, and four hundred people show up. So it's really weird. It's almost like you have to trick people into coming out by making them think it's a special event or like yep. <laughs> people don't really come out to see the bands. They just come to see their friends. Oh, or, yeah. Or something. Oh, I'm not oh, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that in Detroit, too, man. It's like to the point where I was thinking about it during this pandemic. I'm like, um, because, you know, my roots are like in the hip hop scene here in Detroit, but I go to everything okay, yeah. and I'm like, I'm I'm like. 
really tired and bored of going to like the shows where like the musical like performance or the DJ is kind of like the background and everybody's just there to like socialize and everything. Like I like just going yeah. to I like just going to go see like the you know the band and everything. Um because it's like like yeah, man. just cuz there's some people I just do not want to like run into. I don't want they 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 come talking to me. I don't want to talk to them. There's people I just don't like that go out to everything and I'm like can I just go out there and watch the band or listen to the DJ, you know? <laughs> right. There's there's one show of ours where um and it was it was a record release, uh, so a bunch of people were there. But somebody took uh, a video from back by like the soundboard, and there are a couple little spots and songs where like it would it would quiet down to where you could hear all these chicks just fucking gabbing, like over over the band and stuff. And it sounded like a big fucking group of people. And I actually remember that show because I remember I like yelled at them at one point in time, and I was like, hey, I was like, go the fuck outside if you want to do this. But that drives me fucking crazy, and it's not like. It's not like I'm saying like, hey, girls shouldn't come to our shows or or people shouldn't have a good time or whatever. But like, if you're not here for the band, okay, come in, hang out at the bar between bands, and then go the fuck outside. Like, shut up, <laughs> so people can actually watch and enjoy this. Like, people that are that that paid money, like like you know, I assume that that those people that just want to chat did too. But like, yeah, shut the fuck up, so people could watch. We saw uh, uh, Scott Kelly from Neurosis. Uh, did an acoustic solo show in St. Louis. Like this was was a few years ago, but um, there were like four people that wouldn't shut the fuck up like while he was playing. And finally, other people turned around him and like they were they were gonna get the shit beat out of him. But other people turned around and was like, "Hey, can you please like shut the fuck up? All of us really want to see." And then security quickly just like kicked them out. <laughs> it was like, okay, cool. We can like relax and watch the fucking you know we could watch the show and listen to the music that we came here to see, but. Yeah, we've we've played Detroit once, and it was a terrible experience, man. <laughs> Where did you play? Detroit was not. I think it was called the Painted Lady. Oh, that's a small that little Hamtramck spot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This was over five years ago. Yeah. Probably, but um, I mean, I, I you know, I. Uh, all right, I'll not say anything bad. I I won't say anything bad. I, I've learned to keep my mouth shut about certain <laughs> things, but um. I'll just say we did not have a good experience and we were not treated very well by the staff at that place. But it was like over five years ago. Maybe it's a different staff. Maybe it's different owners. I don't know. So I'll be a nice guy and not talk shit. But it wasn't cool. See, like see in Detroit, especially like in Hamtramck, sometimes like people who put on shows will literally just have to deal with what what place they can get booked. And. A yeah. band like yours would not necessarily play the painted lady, let's just say. <laughs> yeah. The one it, he like it seemed very it seemed odd. Yeah, like Yeah, I don't you might know. See where, more like I don't indie know rock bands and in stuff like that, like play that, you know, but a heavy band, yeah. Uh, nah. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like like I remember like rockabilly dudes. Yeah, it's there. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like it had that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But we we did um uh, there's a guy named Mike in Detroit who's in that band Acid Witch, and he's in Temple of Void. Yeah, and I think he's probably in six other bands too. But luckily, like we we stayed with him, and like we had a blast before and after the show, like hanging out with our friends that are in Detroit. But the show itself, man, like like yeah, we we had a lot of issues at that place, and uh, then they tried to fucking rip us off. Uh, mm. So it was it, it definitely. Um, you know, we we might we might be back through one day, but it left us in no hurry to to, to come back, unfortunately. But the people we met were great. Oh, yeah. The friends we made in Detroit were really cool. But just that the experience of that venue was not good. How, you know, when it comes to this band getting attention, you know, how do you feel like you were able to, you know, gain a fan base you know you know get enough tension where you you link up with season of the mess did it have to do it with anything that you've uh you know connects you picked up with your previous band you know how did that kind of kind of go no so we we intentionally have have almost never mentioned our previous band uh and we we 
I'm in, I'm embarrassed and ashamed of of that band. I think it was fucking trash. Um, and this is so different that we really just didn't want the two connected. And any neither of us were like the business guy in that band either. So I had zero contacts, you know, from 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 that. Uh, and the few people I did know were fucking shitheads. So I didn't stay in touch with them anyway. Uh, um, it's the season of Mist thing was more like I, I don't know that necessarily like. I don't think it was it was a case so much of our like fan base growing to the point where they noticed or anything. I think it was that to, to my understanding, the way that we came on their radar was from other bands telling them like, hey, there's this band in St. Louis called the Lion's Daughter. You guys should like listen to this. Um, mainly like we played some shows with Pig Destroyer. And I know those guys went back and told Season of Mist. Um, we played with Misery Index. Those guys went back and told Season of Mist. There's a, um, uh, a video a videographer guy named Jeff Grindstoffer that um, works with them on some of their sick, sick drummer stuff. And he told them, you need to listen to this band Lion's Daughter. Um, so I think they just had enough people that they respected and listened to coming at them from enough directions that, you know, they they checked out our stuff and then eventually eventually reached out, which was real fucking cool because you know a lot of my favorite bands are on that record label so what is it about you know the band yeah, the sound so, of yeah. The, what is it about the band the sound of the band even like your personalities that is like yo all these other bands that are your peers you know they really fuck with you man they don't they don't have to do that they don't they didn't have to tell anybody that yo right. you guys are really dope you know what is it about you guys that you, you feel like you know these people wanted to help you I think uh, one, and I think people, I think people don't put enough importance on this. One, we're like we're on time, we're professional, and we're pretty polite for the most part. Um, yeah, be polite, and, and on I time. think that makes a big difference. Yes, it does. Yeah, if your band, yeah, if your band fucking rips, you guys are amazing. But you're you're late. You don't get your shit on or off stage fast enough. You're yelling at the sound guy. You're doing whatever. And then you like drink all the beer in the fucking dressing room. You you did whatever. Like, fuck your band. Like, yeah. not only am I not going to tell anybody, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. But yeah, if you're like cool as shit, you know, uh, it, it makes a big difference. So I think it's just that we kind of uh, I, I think that's a part of it. And then, you know, hopefully like on our music and our live performance was goodish uh to to where you know it, it left an impact and and i think i think it, it helps that we've always since our our band you know for better or worse has always been slightly difficult to to pinpoint or put in like a certain box i think i think we're kind of a band that other bands enjoy more for that reason because it is usually a little a little different yeah. um so I I, th I think that's why we've you know been able to win over some of the, some of those people. It's my my guess, but you know throughout the you know the longevity of this band, you know what you know what are some things that you feel like you you guys have you know are doing better on this new album? Uh, the songwriting for sure. Uh, this is the the. F First time I think we've really concentrated on writing good songs. As weird as that sounds for a band that's put out four records, some splits, some EPs, a collaborative LP. Uh, it's it's weird that like this is the first time we've really really thought about the songwriting. I think before it was always just like, oh, what's the what's the sound? Like, what do we want this this the sound to be? Like, okay, this sounds cool. Well, here's this riff, this riff, this part. And in future cult, it's like, oh shit, let's throw synths in. Like, what what can we do with that? And like, ah, look at this. And you know, it's it's flashy and stuff. And now it's like, okay, we figured out what the sound is. We figured out we like having like the synthesizers in there and this whole thing. Like, let's see if we could write some songs now with this. So, um, I think the songwriting is a lot more concise. It's it's definitely more traditional song structure. Um, and in a way, and that's why I think I've, I've called it like, like our fucking weirdo version of a pop record, just because there are actually like choruses and things for the first time ever, we have like choruses and, and <laughs> things that are hopefully like a little, like a little bit catchy or memorable and things you could like tap your foot to. Um, so 
I think that's the biggest difference. And the thing that's cool is I, I actually really like uh, the idea of writing is what, you know, uh, and then, then and something that maybe is a little bit of an earworm and sticks in your head afterwards. Like that shit's really fun to write because I've never done that before. Um, and I'm really proud of the record because I think like I think we did that while maintaining the integrity of the band and the, the sound that we've we've kind of established already uh, and then wrote some wrote. 10 fucking real deal songs. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You know, going back, like, you know, what kind of a kid were you? When did you kind of get into music? What were you listening to? What, like, what kind of got you into all of this? Man, fuck Michael Jackson's beat it. That's the, <laughs> that's the answer for everything. Um, <laughs> I heard that as a kid. That was like the, that was the first music I remember ever like that i remember paying attention to when beat it came out lost my fucking mind over that to where you know and this is pre obviously like pre-internet and uh you know but i remember like i was it was known throughout my family throughout the neighborhood everywhere that like if beat it is on tv or on the radio you call my house and you let my mom know that beat it's on so she could put it on because i'm gonna lose my fucking mind because it was like my favorite thing um yeah. and uh funny enough she couldn't find the record for me i don't know if it was sold out everywhere or what but she came home one day with uh weird owl eat it instead of of beat it yeah and that's maybe part of why i'm like a lifelong weird owl fan too but uh I, I was like this is totally acceptable because what i liked about beat it i know now i didn't it wasn't that i liked michael jackson i liked fucking eddie van halen i liked that guitar riff oh and yeah. the guitar solo yeah, so because uh, other Michael Jackson, sh you know, uh, you know, Billie Jean and stuff, I was like, oh, this is like fine, but no, it was fucking beat it because that was a dude. That was like, that was a rock song, if not a hard rock song, if not teetering into like being a fucking metal song, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but then I heard uh, my sister bought Motley Crue's "Shout at the Devil," and that was like, oh fuck, this is everything I like about Beat It, but then some. And then right after that. Uh, one of her boyfriends um, brought over one afternoon a stack of records for me to check out. And in that stack was, dude, Venom and Overkill and like Megadeth and Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, like everything, dude. And we sat all day and we listened to every record while I taped them all on cassette. And then that was just like, that was religion to me, like in instantly was all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, so music grabbed me like as long as far back as i can as, as i can remember man like really just well like guitar driven music yeah was just like my shit as soon as you know something about that sound just just you know no pun intended struck a chord you know it fucking <laughs> it, it, it it works for me so and here we are however many years later and same same shit i'm listening to judas priest and iron maiden and you know the same same records i heard that day you know yeah. What made you want to get into like making music? It just seemed like the natural thing to do. I mean, as a kid, my my bedroom was just covered with fucking pictures and posters of dudes like playing guitars and singing and shit. And it was just like, yeah, that seemed like the 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 natural next step to take. It was like, all right, well, I want to like learn how to do this and seeing like like my neighbor got a guitar and I remember him sitting and playing jump in the fire. And I was, I was just blown away that he could pick up a guitar and then make that sound come out by moving his fingers around. I was like, well, I want to figure out how to do that. That <laughs> seems like super, super fun. So, um, yeah, it seemed like a natural thing to do. My dad and I started actually playing guitar together at the, at the same time. Um, nice. he borrowed a guitar from like my uncle or something and we were both like learning how to play on it. Um, and then I actually I got annoyed by chords, so I started I started playing bass instead. I got like a bass for for Christmas, like from Sears, like the cheapest bass, because <laughs> um, it was just easier to wrap my brain around four strings. But then went back to guitar as a teenager. Once I got into like punk rock stuff, and I figured out like, oh, if you just learn power chords, you can play like every punk rock song pretty much. <laughs> like, okay, this is a lot easier. I, I can, I can, and I still don't know chords, so I I, I dodged the bullet of ever having to learn real guitar chords <laughs> right right when you know when you're not doing music stuff you know what do you do for fun you know what how do you decompress you know what's that what kind of stuff do you do um a, a, a big movie fan 
which it's, it's probably obvious there are like horror horror elements and stuff and you know in our music but and in um, your background yeah i'm a big movie fan so <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah those are um uh posters from uh ghana that um somebody painted there and i i happened to run into a guy that was selling them off a truck so uh fuck yeah i bought some hell yeah but uh yeah um uh yeah i watched a lot of horror movies um i started a uh like a dumb podcast with with a friend where basically we get drunk and talk about action movies and that's super fun uh still skateboard sometimes i like to i don't know throw weights around uh i like to i I play with my dog fucking go to the park i don't know what do i I don't know what i do i'd probably drink too much uh (laughs) fun i forgot about fun uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure I drink a lot of coffee yeah um i don't i don't i don't remember what the fuck do i do i don't know that's a, it's a, that question th- threw me off because i'm like uh, it, it, i don't i don't think it's, about it's a weird question during this pandemic because you're like what am i doing yeah <laughs> yeah because i'm like yeah yeah and, and any of those things i didn't you know normally i would mention like going to shows going to hang out with friends going out to eat good food you know like right shit like that that people do for fun but i've kind of you know forgotten about those things hopefully they're coming back real soon but you know what are some of your favorite like uh you know action movies and horror movies you like you know whether they're dumb ones or you know serious ones um action movies are funny because i've kind of figured out through doing this podcast with my friend i think we just recorded our 16th episode and he's the he's the action movie guy really and for the most part we would just be hanging out and drinking and watching like goofy action movies so often he was like let's make this a podcast i'm like that's a terrible idea but sure let's do it um but what i've come to learn is like i like the 80s stuff that's that's the shit that i like i like the sylvester stallone schwarzenegger you know all all that shit um because like i watched uh, a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie for the first time for the podcast. I watched hard target and fuck. I hated it. I hated it <laughs> so much um, to where I don't think I'll ever watch another Van Damme movie. Um, I don't like the, like the Steven Seagal shit. I think I just think I like the eighties stuff, man. Um, Cause it was all just ri- ridiculous. Everybody was all muscly and sweaty and everything was exploding. And all the girls had giant hair and the soundtrack was ridiculous. And it, that shit was just super fun. But uh, horror movies, I take a little more seriously. But I think my 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 favorites are like The Thing is probably number one. Yeah. Uh, American Werewolf in London, Reanimator. Um, I, I love like Eraserhead. Um, God, what else? Uh, I'm just trying to look around at posters. I have Shockwaves. I love Shockwaves and like a lot of the uh, I love a lot of the Italian horror and Argento yeah. and Fulci. Uh, Day of the Dead is probably my favorite of the Romero movies, um, but you know I I also love like I don't know like Weird Science. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> probably not horror exactly. Sci-fi maybe I don't know, but yeah. Um, when it comes yeah, to action movies, been, like did you some... uh, did you ever ch- um see any of, like the Andy Sedaris movies from back in the day? Absolutely. <laughs> We watched Hard Ticket to Hawaii yeah. for, for the podcast and couldn't release it because we, when it was done, we realized like all we did was talk about tits for an hour and a half. Dude. That was all we fucking talked I got like about. Box but that's sets the point of those, of those movies. <laughs> What's that? I got like three box sets of those movies, man. Cause, oh, no shit? Yeah. And I used, they, used to yeah, be I on, just, they used to be on the movie channel and like Cinemax so much yeah. back in the day. Yeah, I just saw that uh, somebody's putting out a like of like a vinyl for Hard Ticket to Hawaii. That's that's the frisbee from the movie. So it's a clear vinyl, and somehow on the inside it's got razor blades on the inside. So it's supposed to look like the frisbee that the guy tosses yeah. the other dude and chops his fingers off or whatever. I'm like, somebody went through so much trouble to make that for a Hard Ticket to Hawaii soundtrack, and I and I and I love that that they did that oh i gotta look for that man that looks that sounds amazing (laughs) (laughs) it it looks really cool it looks really cool but just it's just it's just amazing that like i don't remember the soundtrack of that movie me neither (laughs) yeah so i don't know that i want to throw it on but like like oh that is a pretty cool collectible i'm sure it's expensive but 
Yeah, Andy Sedaris stuff is, is great, man. Savage Beach. Yeah, Savage Beach. Uh, Malibu movies... Express, that's one of his. Which one? Malibu Express. I yeah, yeah, Malibu. As well. That was like one of the first yeah. ones. That Yeah. Okay, yeah. It, those movies are so funny because it's like, oh, shit, our, uh, you know, our, uh, our colleague just got, uh, you know, kidnapped by this villain. But I could really use a shower right now. Want to join oh, me? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, they find some, the two girls find some diamonds. So they decide to like inspect the diamonds. They decide to get topless and get into a hot tub and then look at the diamonds. Like, you're going you're to drop the diamonds in the water. That's the worst place to look at diamonds. But hey, I'm watching. So, okay. That's fine. Uh, man, I love those movies. I love those movies. Yeah, that shit's good. That's what I mean by like '80s stuff, man. All that right. shit's super fun. I I love um, Samurai Cop is another one I I love. If you've ever seen that one, um, that's what's uh, the director's name is Amir or something. But he did Samurai Cop and um, Killing American Style and Hollywood Cop, and they're like they're definitely like so bad that they're amazing. Like like kind of kind of movies like. Samurai Cop, I wouldn't even know how to explain or where to start, but there's definitely shit where, like, the main actor has, like, like flowing long hair. Yeah. And I guess they brought him back for reshoots, and he had cut his hair short, so they put a wig on him for the reshoots, so <laughs> it keeps cutting to this dude in a terrible wig every once in a while. There's even a fight scene where the wig falls off, and he catches it real quick, and they didn't cut that part out. Like, it's yeah. still in the movie. The dude's wig falling off is still in the movie. Like, it's, it's, it's... It's incomprehensibly stupid and fucking amazing. You ever Samurai see Samurai Cop? I highly recommend that. You ever see this movie called uh, Tough Turf? Is that a, is that James Spader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, maybe I haven't. Is it okay? okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, early James like, Spader he's... has um it's an early role for uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, he has like a supporting role. Okay. Like I I know of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Only place it's like available these days is on YouTube. Like the full movies on YouTube. Oh, okay. Like you gotta watch that, yeah. man. And like the soundtrack is dope because there's all these music performances in the movie, and they're on the okay. soundtrack. But there's actual music performances. But then like it goes into all yeah. these wild places. But like you you have to check that out. It, it's it's such a good '80s movie, but it's okay. like it's enjoyable too. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll add it to the list. It's on YouTube. Oh yeah, it's on yeah. It's, it's like the only place you can get it is like on YouTube. Like someone posted it a long time ago in full. Okay, I got you. I might be able to. I might be able to from like Cinemageddon or one of those other sites. I might be able to find like a better quality because sometimes the shit on YouTube like it's it's a really bad rip. But actually, know, super the pixelated the, and stuff. the tough turf one is actually pretty good, like quality wise. Is it okay? Yeah, it's actually okay. really good. Cool. Like whoever yeah, whoever out. ripped it and uploaded yeah. it did a good job. Yeah. Well, thanks to them. Yep. All right, as we wind down everything, so um, you know, when it comes to this album, like what do you hope your, you know, the listeners get out of it? Um I mean, is it it's is it going to sound rude if I say I don't care? Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't really care what anybody gets out of it. It's not, I, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't go, I don't go into it. I sound like a huge dick saying that, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, um, I don't approach these things or think about them as being for other people at all, uh, which might be strange, but, um, I, I just, I just try to write stuff that is satisfying to me and that the other guys in the band like enough to perform on and, you know, and then go out and play in front of people for years. Um, so I, I don't know. It's not something I consider. Um, you know, it's cool if people like it like that. Like that's that's great. If it fit, if, if it makes them think a little bit or, or if it, it opens their mind to certain kinds of, of music or musical ideas, especially if it's somebody that's, you know, just into like, you know, black metal doom like whatever you know and and might be like slight might be slightly closed-minded in that and in, in, in that genre um to kind of toss some different ideas at them and have them walk away thinking like oh you know what like i don't know i should i should go throw on like an abba record or something after this like um then then that's cool but yeah for the most part i don't i don't 
I, I, I don't know. It's, it's on, you know, it's on the individual to figure out what they want to walk away from it with. And if somebody, if somebody hears two seconds of it and doesn't like it, that's, you know, that's fine too. Yeah, that's the attitude like, I think I, I have to have or else I can't write music any other way, you know? Right. There's kind of like a no strings attached approach from your end and from, you know, the whole party, you know, of like, yo, this is something that we did. We really enjoyed it. We, you know, we really put our heart into it. There it is, man. The world has it now. Like it, don't like it. Totally. But if you like it, cool. You know, I'm glad, you know, you're on board. Yeah, that's that's kind of always been our approach because, you know, the the that that old band that the two of us were in, that was very much a band where everything was written to be liked. It was to be liked by a specific group of people and, and it worked, but you couldn't really take any pride in, in that. Um, and God, if it didn't work, you just wasted like years of your life. Um, so the, yeah, the, our kind of attitude with this band has always just been like, like, let's just do whatever we want. And if other people like it, that's, that's, that's on other people, you know? So yeah, once the record's done, I don't really, I don't really think about how it's going to be received or, or how, you know, what, what people are going to take away from it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's cool when it's good. I'm not like saying I'm like, I'm, I'm so cool that if, you know, every review came back and every comment was like, fuck this band, this is trash that it wouldn't like bum me out. Uh, and it does feel good when reviews are good and people are like, Hey, I like the record and stuff. It's, it's awesome. And it means a lot because I didn't write it for other people. I wrote it to be the, a thing that I like, you know, so it, it has more value to me when people react positively, but, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Again, I probably sounded like a dick there for a second, but you know, I really, I don't know. I don't kind of don't, I kind of, I have to, I have to not care what people, what people think of it or, or what people get out of it. You right. Know? That's, that's just, uh, you know, that's just how you are. You know, as long as you're not being a dick to people and being an asshole to people specifically or being problematic, yo, that's cool. You know? Yeah. Just the people that deserve it. Yeah, just people that deserve it. So you got any final thoughts about a skin show, you know, before we get out of here? Um, I don't know. Not really. <laughs> I don't think so. My, my, my final thoughts uh, were with the, the moment we left the studio, I stopped thinking about it, you know. How did that feel? Uh, it felt good. It felt good. We had a, we had a, a blast in the studio, which is kind of funny like if you listen to a record like this that's like you know kind of like a, a a darker record or whatever it's kind of funny to think that you know it was like four dudes laughing their asses off and having a great time making the thing but that that was the case um Sanford Parker uh you know came down from Chicago to produce it and this is the third time that we've worked with him so by now it's like you know it's like seeing an old friend yeah um so we have a, we had a fucking great time and we definitely left with like, okay, I think, uh, I think we have something special here. Like we had that, that feeling when we left, like, I think we just made a good record, which we didn't have that. Like the first time we, uh, it was the first time that Sanford came down and we did existence as horror, which was the first for season of mist. When we finished that record, I remember us all like talking to each other, like, man, we just wasted everybody's time and everybody's money. Like we felt like we did not make a, a good record. Uh, and looking back at what, I don't know, that was just us like really second guessing ourselves, I guess. Right. But, um, you know, yeah. Finishing skin show and like leaving the studio, it was like, cool, man. I think we did something like, I think we did something like really interesting and made a, made a really solid record. So, uh, it felt good. So you just got to finish, you just finish the record and then you wait like forever for it to actually come out because <laughs> that's the way the process works. But, um, yeah, yeah. So just, yeah. Anybody, anybody that uh has you know checked it out whether you like it or not i appreciate you taking the time to to you know listen to our band and check out the record great man i like the record it's cool so i'm on board cool i appreciate that all right <laughs> all you're right. okay then <laughs> all right <laughs> it's been great talking with you rick where can people go online to get more information about lion's daughter skin show or even your podcasts uh, the easiest place would be, I think it's the, I don't, what the hell is the address for our band camp? Uh, or the Lion's Daughter band camp. Uh, I think it's just <laughs> probably the lionsdaughter.bandcamp.com. Something like that. As, as just type the Lion's like Daughter. It yeah. comes up instantly, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's probably the, the best place because you can, 
you can either, you know, get a, a download of the record or you could buy a vinyl or a shirt or whatever. And um, that helps our, you know, if, if you buy something, it's great because it helps our label um, not drop us, um, which they've been really, really cool and really supportive. Uh, so I like the idea of, of, you know, them making back a little bit of their investment uh, on, on this band, because as you and everyone else knows, uh, record labels have a real hard time making any money back these days when everybody just listens to Spotify or you yeah. know, where, wherever they stream stuff. It really, really helps the bands and the labels who are the ones that, you know, back the bands. Uh, it helps them, you know, recoup and, you know, survive and, 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 you know, uh, so always encourage that. And the vinyl package for skin show is fucking gorgeous. It looks really, really good. It's, it's it does. slick as hell. Uh, and the record sounds great. So really happy with, with the way it came out. But yeah, I got a vinyl on the way. The, so the best like, place. Boom. Nice. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, the podcast that me and my buddy have is pro it's, it's almost something that's best kept completely separate from the band because it's like so Jekyll and Hyde with my personality where the band's <laughs> like this, this dark brooding thing. And then this other side of me is like me with me, like drunk where my voice is like three octave high, higher, like giggling about boobies and guns and, and, you know, kickboxing <laughs> and shit. But, um, that that's called, uh, your French fries are drowning, which is a reference from, uh, Cobra, uh, Cobra Stallone tells a woman who's putting too much ketchup on her French fries that she needs a life preserver because her French fries are drowning. <laughs> and that's where our sense of humor, uh, pretty much is. But, um, yeah, man. Uh, uh, you know, and we have a Facebook and an Instagram and all that stuff. We have, we have all the shit that every band has, you know, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. big cartel. It's easy to find. Just Google lion's daughter. It comes up, you know, there's yeah. Yeah. That's you could edit out everything I just said and just 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 Google it. That's easier. <laughs> and, and just don't don't click on the thing that looks like a romance novel because that's not it. That's the wrong thing. That will come up too probably. They're like Rick. Is that you? Yeah, I actually, I actually, <laughs> right, right. I actually wonder if that author, her name's Loretta Chase. I wonder if she's heard by now that a band stole the title of one of her novels or not. I, I really want. There's got to be some point where she. She searched and just saw like, what the fuck? This is a band now. Like, I don't know. I'm waiting for the cease and desist letter. I'm kind of <laughs> disappointed I haven't gotten it yet because that would give us an excuse to change the band name. But <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, it's been good talking with you. You know, thanks for coming on. Great record. Likewise. Go support Lion's Daughter Skin Show out Thank now. You. Season the Mist. Yo, good album. Thank you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. Empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash Fresh of the Word. Fresh of the Word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com. And that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash Fresh of the Word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.